Hey people, welcome to the Angels, Babes and Bitches show with me Ruby. My guest today is Jessie. Jessie is originally from Germany and currently lives in Finland. She is a life coach and founded a startup together with one of her best friends. Jessie specializes in self and body love. Hi Jessie, welcome to my show. Hi Ruby, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm so excited to uh, have you on on my show. When we spoke for the first time, you were so forthcoming about what had happened in your life, and I want to just say that I'm so honored to have you on my show. Uh, people, Jessie is one brave woman, and um, I hope that uh, she would start by sharing some of her story with us. Thank you, Ruby. Oh man, you're going to make me cry here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, um, I love to share a bit about my story. So as you said, I'm um, I'm a life coach nowadays. Um, but my story uh, starts quite some some time ago uh, when I was still living in Germany, and um, I went through. A burnout and subsequent depression, um, and through that experience of this um, very intense mental illness, I had to really reevaluate my life, change a lot of my priorities, change my lifestyle, my mindset, and it kind of led me to where I am today. That I'm working as a coach and that I'm supporting other people. Um, in embracing their empowered lives. Oh, that's so good because I think even through uh, all the ups and downs you've gone through, it's now like uh, very positive and you've come out on the other side. And uh, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast because it's uh, it's a different ending to a tough story, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about What happened when you were working as a journalist? So when I was living in Germany at that time, um, I was kind of living the perfect life. At least I was living the life that I had always dreamed of. So when I was growing up, I always told everybody, "I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to live in Berlin. You know, I'm going to work for these fancy newspapers. Um, I'm going to write about politics." <laughs> And that, that, that's kind of where I was, you know, I, I was living in Berlin. I was, as you said, like working as a journalist part-time for one of the biggest newspapers in Germany, uh, Die Zeit, Zeit Online. And at the same time, I was studying at one of the best universities <laughs> in oh, Germany. Nice. Um, yeah, and I had just gotten uh, a spot to do an exchange year at Brown University in the US and even a scholarship on top of that. So my life looked amazing on paper. I had an amazing CV. Um, it looked like, you know, my career was just starting to really kick off. Um, and then one day I just woke up after um, another night shift um, at the the newspaper. I was working at the news desk at the time and I just, I couldn't do anything anymore. I was so tired and exhausted, but even more so, I think I was emotionless. I had lost kind of all sense of emotion. And 
I thought it would go away. But <laughs> <laughs> like after a couple of days, I remember distinctly how I called my friend and I was like, yeah. I'm so tired. And she's like, you always do this, Jesse, you work super hard. Then you chill for a week. You're fine. I'm like, this is different. This is not it. Um, and I had to acknowledge for myself that I had a, a deep depression and that I needed help. So though everything was right in your, in your life, as you said, on paper, everything looked good, uh, but it actually wasn't at a much yes. I think, deeper level. So this was this uh, phase where you had uh, a burnout because of a lot of work and uh, your studies. And there were so much, so many things happening in your life all at, uh, at one go. How did your life change after this, uh, this burnout episode? Yeah, um, maybe to just clarify. Yeah, like I was kind of, you know, I was lighting the or burning the candle on both sides. And that's how I ended up. Um, so I actually had to do some very radical changes. Um, depression is a very serious disease. So I had to go and get therapy and had to take a very honest look in my life. And I realized that I wasn't living a life that, you know, I, I authentically wanted to live. I lived the life that I thought I should live. I lived the high status life. I lived the life that, you know, my family told me I should live. I lived the mm -hmm. life that everybody kind of expected me to do. And so one of the things that I had to do is break free from that life. Um, I moved to Sweden. Yeah. I started studying there and uh, for a while I didn't work at all to give myself space to heal. And then when I started working again, I just worked for a cafe. So nothing that is kind of like good on your CV. And <laughs> yeah. I, spent, I spent a lot of time volunteering at the cat shelter because <laughs> I love cats. And once again, it's something that doesn't look good on the CV, <laughs> I love doing it, you know, <laughs> I would have until then everything I did, I did for my CV, everything I did, I did for my career. And yeah. now I was like, wait, what does Jessie want? What does she want to do? And I was like, I want to help little cats. So <laughs> that's what I, <laughs> what I did on the weekends. I volunteered at that shelter and it was amazing. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's actually surprising. And I think it's not only about you, it's about most people that we all do things that maybe this world or society expects us to do and that look good on our CVs or on Instagram or on Facebook. But what we really want could be very different. It could just be working in a cafe and there's nothing wrong with that. But there were other things also that made uh, this situation a little more worst for you. Yeah, so through my, through my burnout um, and, and through, the, through the depression, I actually got back the memories of um, um, my rape because I didn't realize, um, like I had kind of lost that memory, which is very common when we uh, talk about trauma that people mm -hmm. kind of forget what happened. But through the burnout, because there were so many, you know, like emotions and things coming up, this yeah. memory came back. Um, and I remembered that I actually had been raped when I was 18. And so like on top of the depression, I also had to handle the PTSD. Um, I had to handle, you know, like sharing that information with my friends, 
sharing it with my family. I also went yeah. to the police, you know, I sued that person. Yeah. Um, like all of these things uh, were set into motion. And um, like, in addition to already having a burnout, it was very intense experience. I mean, I can't even imagine really. I think this is only for someone who has gone through, they know uh, what they have gone through during this period. Someone who hasn't gone through it can hear and, you know, of course, feel terribly bad about it, but you can't imagine it um, to the extent that it happens to someone. So this was, of course, a very difficult uh, situation for you. What kept you going during this time? What kept me going, I think, most and foremost was my wonderful sister, who is a psychologist. She's currently actually doing a PhD in psychology. And she was the one, you know, I called her. I was like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what is going on. And she was like, Jesse, you need help. You need therapy. You need to go. Because I think many people, when they are depressed or when they are struggling with any kind of mental illness, it's hard to do that first step. It's hard to go to the therapist. It's hard to hear go to the health center in Finland and be like, hey, I need help. But for me, it was easier because I had my sister who pushed me and who told me, you really need this. And you really, like, you deserve it in some sense. Like, you are bad enough. <laughs> and it was good to be given that permission that somebody said, you are, yeah. you are bad enough. You should really go. Um, and I think the other thing that always kept me going, apart from, like, my my sister and of course beautiful friends that I had along the way is that I'm a very hopeful person like I always believe that things will get better um even you know even when I'm going through trauma I have this maybe I don't want to say naive because I think life is very hopeful but I have a very strong sense of that if you keep on going if you just take the next step, like the next right step, it will get better. And so far it has. So <laughs> that's quite good. Yeah, I think we all need to have uh, hope in our lives that things will get better. And they eventually do just uh, takes time sometimes. So I think everybody yeah. needs to be hopeful and positive. It's very, I think, important uh, in this yeah. day and age. And you know, we had, uh, you know, I'm again talking about so many things we have spoken about earlier, because, you know, that's how we are having this, uh, then this podcast chat. Um, and I remember this very good conversation about basic instincts in uh, traumatic situations. And uh, I would like to hear more from you about, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, basic instincts? As you mentioned, Ruby, we, we talked a bit more in depth about this um, prior Um because um, my experience um, with the rape was that I thought this is not rape um, mm. because I didn't go through what we classically think of as this basic instinct, which is um, flight or like fight. So either you run away or yeah. you're fighting. I didn't do either of that. Mm. So I was kind of like, well, it can't be rape then, right? Because I didn't respond that way. Okay, yeah. And I, I did a lot of research on the topic um, when the memories came back and I understood that there are different ways of how we can react. 
nowadays it's very established that um, we also have a freeze reaction when we are in very traumatic, intense situations. So you can see that also in in nature that certain animals, when they are getting attacked, they're freezing. So they're pretending that they're dead, hoping yeah. that, you know, the person will, or like the, the other man, animal will stop attacking them. And similar to that, our body can also freeze when we are in trauma situations. And this is what happened to me. And um, it's also why uh, at the end of the day, my, um, my lawsuit got dropped because back in oh. the day uh, in Germany, you had to fight your rapist for it to be rape. No, oh didn't, no, didn't know. Nowadays it's different, thankfully, but back yeah. in the day, if you said no, that wasn't enough. You had to fight that person. So for me, it was very important to understand that freezing, it's normal. It's okay. It's part of your basic instinct. And um, it's not like a conscious decision that you're making. Yeah, that's really sad that, you know, they had this kind of a law uh, back in Germany. Because I think, yeah. In, uh, yeah, I think in trauma situations, like you, many, most people will freeze rather mm. than fight or, fight or flight. I mean, it's very difficult to tell. It's individual to each person. Yeah, and yeah, you can't know in advance. Really no, yeah. I think you won't know till you're not in that uh, situation. And it could be mm. anything. It could be you coming in front of a car or... It could be any kind of uh, situation where you have this um, survival instinct. In spite of all these uh, difficulties and challenges that you've had, you now have a startup with your best friend and you are a life coach. Um, how did this come about, this big change in your life? Yeah. <laughs> Something nice to talk about. Yeah, totally. Very nice to talk about. Um, I think that this big change in my life, it came, we already touched a bit upon it, but yeah. through very yeah. radical changes, through reprioritizing um, what is important to me versus what I should think is important to me. So I tried to build my life around what is it that I want? What is it that I need instead of like what are other people telling me what I should want and what I should need. So letting go of this big shooting yeah. um, in a more practical sense that meant, of course, years of therapy uh, that meant nowadays also years of coaching. So when I was yeah. um, at a point with my therapy where I realized, okay, I'm surviving now. I'm like, okay, now. I wanted to thrive. So that is when I found coaching. And I worked with many different coaches over the years now, and they have helped immensely in my growth and where I am today. Wow, it's, um, it's amazing. I think you have an amazing story of positivity, where everything could have Thank been you. wrong, <laughs> but it's, it's right. And you have moved on with your, with your life and you're doing something to help others. I think that's, uh, that's something so positive. Is there any advice you would want to give to someone who might be in a similar situation of uh, stress, burnout, trauma, could be anything? The advice I want to give is that you deserve help. You are worth of help. Um, and I think for, for many of my clients or even many people that I interact with when it comes to mental health, they read my stories, they reach out because of my articles and they tell me what they've been through. 
Um, and I always tell them like, you deserve help. You deserve to go to a therapist. You deserve to go to a doctor. You deserve to invest into a life coach. You deserve to invest into yourself because when we are so far down and we are so deep into this depressed and critical mindset, it can be hard to stand up for ourselves. So I just want you to know you really, really deserve any help and you deserve to ask for it. Oh, that's, uh, I think that's very good advice because most, most of us, or uh, when we are in a difficult situation or, you know, the kind of situation you or have gone through, uh, we don't ask, we don't seek help at all. And I remember even uh, my general practitioner in Singapore telling me once that um, people just don't want to go to, uh, to any kind of uh, doctor to talk about their mental health issues, even mm -hmm. in very developed countries. So it's, yeah. uh, it's really uh, sad that people have this kind of um, taboo or not taboo, how do you say this kind of reservation uh, about going to um, psychologists, life coach, psychiatrists, whatever they need at uh, that yeah. point in their, in their life. And any words of encouragement for all our listeners, because you are a life coach, anything you want to say to, to them? I think for me, what I, what I, want to say is um, I want them to kind of lead their lives with compassion. It's been one of my core messages along the way is accepting that we as human beings, we are imperfect. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to fail, you know, and even like, you know, even if we try, um, it can still be that we fall on our face. Um, so most important thing along the way is to be really compassionate with yourself and to kind of heal that relationship with your inner critic, that inner voice in your head that tells you that you are not good enough or you are not worth it. You really are good enough and you really are worth it. So I want you to lead with compassion um, when you are checking in with yourself and um, while you are on your journey. That is a very beautiful message from Jesse. I really love it. Um, <laughs> to, uh, to end this, uh, Jesse is most, most definitely a sexy babe who has overcome a traumatic situation and has come out on the other side, bolder and braver. How sexy is that? See you next week with another super story. Thank you, Jesse, for being on my podcast. I really Thank appreciate you. this. Thank you.